Hey, everybody. I'm Chad Eckert, and this is the Fantasy Golf Pod General Strategy to PGA DFS podcast. Welcome. Hello. I like to play fantasy golf. You can find me talking with my buddy Eric about this subject every Tuesday night on iTunes, or we're sometimes streaming live on YouTube. It's fun. It's fun for us. We don't play for a lot of money. We play for low stakes. We're $20 guys. We're putting a dollar in per lineup. This is not for thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. We play DFS for fun because we know this is gambling. We know this is a casino. Listen, I've been playing DFS before DraftKings was even a company. So I know what I'm doing here. I know you can't win money at this stuff. This is just stuff for fun. You're playing a lottery. Okay. Just know that going in. But you want to do things to make sure you're not just throwing money away. I mean, it is gambling, but at the same time, we want to make good gambling decisions. And this pod will help you do that. Listen, okay. Like I said, I love playing DFS. I love playing fantasy golf, PGA DFS specifically. And in this short video, I'm going to explain to you the most important basics, how I play each week, how I determine my player pool, where I research and how I build and then why important things are important like ownership so there are many ways to play dfs there are the weekly kind of thing you know you do the regular stuff thursday through sunday just normal dfs pga there's round by round showdown similar to playing on nfl where you do a specific game you can do specific rounds you can play weekend you can wait till the cut is determined you can get to the weekend and you can only play for saturday and sunday's rounds and within those options there are different contest styles just like in every sport on DraftKings, you can play in tournaments, head-to-heads, you can do multipliers, 50-50s, satellites, qualifiers, there's all these different things. So yes, of course, I mean, there's multiple ways to play DFS. You can try experimenting with these different types of contests and uh, there's different strategies to to each contest. Fantasy sports in general changes. You gotta adapt to this stuff, don't get rigid and maybe you wanna try something new and there's now tiered options there's drafts for nfl and different ways to just spend your gambling dollars listen people don't usually win at this stuff even the best dfs players they're losing money you can look this up so try to just play for fun because as much as this is a game of skill it's a game of luck it's gambling plain and simple um, trying to minimize the losses while maximizing the potential mega profit and fun is the name of the DFS game. And you want to know what? You want to know what is the most important playing PGA DFS? Well, it's a good question. The most important factor in having success at PGA DFS is getting all six of your players through the cut. In PGA DFS, you pick six guys. If they all make it to the cut, well, they're going to play more and you're going to accumulate more points. That's obvious. Players that play an extra 36 holes, they're going to have more points. So what does that mean? Okay, well, leaning a more balanced build, trying to achieve a higher likelihood of a six or six, maybe pepper pepper the 8K range. You get an average salary of $8,300 per golfer. Maybe you hover around that because that gives you in your mind or whatever, it's just like these are the better names. Maybe you don't go with the risk of taking a bunch of 6K guys just because you want that JT top price guy. It's happening. Uh, how else can you get a six of six lineup? Well, 
you can roster guys that are not in the 6K range because those are the riskiest names and they're the ones that are more likely to miss the cut. Yes, they give you the most savings. So it allows you to pick a couple 10K guys, but then are they going to have as better likelihood to make the cut as somebody in the 8K range? I don't know about the same make the cut ability, but the 6K guy compared to the 7 or 8K guy, I think you are uh, you get where I'm going on that. You want to take less risks, so and that means less cheaper names. So maybe you only use one 6K guy per line. Another key to winning this PGA DFS stuff is scoring. Clearly, making birdies and eagles will get you more points, and that's what you need to do. You need to roster birdie makers. Two golfers can both be at minus three on a leaderboard, but one could have outscored the other by five or more points based on how they got to the minus three number. You can have a golfer that makes bogeys. That's fine. The dude makes an eagle make up for two bogeys. I mean, like, look at the scoring. You got to look that up. You got to know what you're doing. The roster guys are going to go for flags. Who take advantage of par fives. You got to go for the eagle makers. Those are the dudes you want. That's why Tony Fino. That's why these guys with the bomber narrative, that's, they're going to have an advantage on par fives. They're going to have an advantage on short par fours. This is just obvious stuff. That's why those names are good to click. Look at total driving. Look at driving distance. Look at, you know, bombers. I don't know. Rostering golfers who can get hot. That's an idea of how to do that because you get a birdie streak. Get a guy that goes, has a, you know, round where he's three bogeys to start. All of a sudden, he gets hot later in the round. Gets a couple birdies, three in a row. You get a birdie streak. You go for roster golfers that can do that. Uh, finding the right golfers who fit this and those criteria is the weekly chore. And that's what all of us are striving to do. Some people have spreadsheets that crunch numbers and they spit out names. And other people use course history. What the grass type is that we can lead you to a name. Recent form uh, can make and help you make assumptions about future athletic performance, how they did recently. Could that mean they're going to do that well next week? Maybe. Uh, let's see. Another important factor that has nothing to do with speculating on player performance is something you can consider prior to even clicking any name. That is the contest that you select. That is ownership. Those are general daily fantasy strategies, contest selection and ownership. What contest that you're in will dictate the type of build that you want to make, how popular a certain golfer is can, can determine if you use them or how you pair them looking for value or places where DraftKings may have underpriced someone in your opinion, that's how you play DraftKings. Go for those names. Now, you have an idea of three main basics. You have, what did I say? Getting all the players through the cut, making sure they're birdie makers, scorers, and you built the lineup in the right context with leveraged ownership. Once you do all of that, well, you can ask me how I play DFS. I mean, like twenty dollars, twenty lineups, one dollar a lineup. I'm in the short game contest each week. I've tried to venture outside of the short game, and I've looked for other ways to spend dollars at this DraftKings stuff, but I can't find better way to do it. I mean, like it feels like I get enough leverage because you only have twenty lineups, and you don't have one hundred and fifty that you're going against. I'm not doing three man where I have down and I can make decisions because I don't like doing that. I like to have a lot of names and I like to have a lot of bullets out there. 
20 lineups allows diversity, but also concentration of your names. 20 lineups allows you to have a few outs, but it doesn't open you up to those generator guys, the lineup builder guys that can crush you with their optimizers. So what do I do? I recommend that you start with the 25 cent. You can even do the 10 cent contest. It's like two bucks, all right? So do that. You can do $5. We did that. Eric and I played 20 lineups in the 25 cent quarter arcade for over a year to get the hang of the 20 lineup roster strategy, how to build 20 lineups. For those 20 rosters, I usually use around 25 names. That's a strategy to decide I want to get concentrated with the core, the names that I use within those 20 lineups, or you want to get crazy like Eric and you spring, you use everybody. And you just kind of hope that one lineup got lucky, got the right six names, and you're headed toward the prize. People like to concentrate and think they know things. So they maybe uh, use less names, more concentrated within the 20 lineups so that if you do have a good week, you have a good week. Like all of them could get in the top 10. It happened to me at the President's Cup uh, last December when DraftKings had this contest. I had a bunch of names that or a bunch of lineups that were going for it. And I finished third, fourth, fifth, and 12th or something like that, seventh, twelfth. There are times where you just have one bullet and you're just going for that one bullet. And that's what Eric's strategy sometimes is. Different ways to play. Um, 25 golfers for 20 lineups seems reasonable. You're not picking everybody in a 156-man field. You're cutting it down to 25 or so. Uh, but at the same time, if you're making 20 lineups, you almost have to use 25 names to get a diverse 20 lineups. I mean, I don't want to have three or four lineups that have the same two guys, and those two guys miss the cut, and then boom, 20% of, 25% of my overall lineups for the week are ruined off two names. So you kind of have to get a little diverse. That's why it's just, this is a flexible thing. You don't have to do this you know, all literally. Last year, I did 21 lineups, 21 names, $21. And yeah, I don't know. You know. I think you can go a little bit more wider with your pool and you can be more flexible depending on what's going on in that particular week or those particular names, prices. Maybe it'll change. Maybe you think 15 are the best. And maybe one week you think 30 are out of 150. This is all dependent on how you want to play DFS. Eric and I did a strategy pod last year, and the first step of playing DFS is determine your goals. So what are your goals? And then how do you want to play? What are you trying to accomplish playing? So just establish that up front, because I want to win GPP. I want to cash a comma. A comma, that's it. I don't want two commas. I don't need a million bucks. I just want to cash a comma. And I don't want to spend a ton of money trying to do that. So I'm looking for a way to go for a dollar. I can win a thousand. Okay, well, like what contests are out there where a dollar can win you a thousand? There's not that many. It's pretty much the short game. So, and then if I want to win a thousand bucks and I only want to play a dollar, then I have to go against 30,000 or more entries into that contest, which changes the way that I strategize how I use names and how I build. So, because I want to win $1,000 in a specific contest. So, your goal might be to double your money every week or at the end of the year, have uh, you start with 500, have 1,000. So don't go playing GPPs and tournaments if you want to do that. Go to the double ups, go to the 50-50s, go to head-to-heads. You can do a lot of different things. Maybe you are a one lineup guy. There are people out there that only want the six names and that's their lineup that week and they're going to put it in every single contest. They're going to do winner-take-alls. They're going to do these different 
but that's a strategy. That's how you want to play. Great. Go figure out how you want to play, figure out your goals. And then your process should be built around that. Um, I'm not trying to min cash. I don't want to play for, you know, minimum $2 off my dollar. I'm going for big rewards. And usually the bigger rewards require more risk, but not always. Um, risk is, uh, risk is different in certain things in DFS. Like there's risk that's unnecessary risk clicking these crazy names in the 6k range just to get different i mean i don't know if that's a strategy that might be different but also too risky not necessary um whatever my 25 names i determine based on a number of factors okay so i end up with about 25 names every week recent form is the biggest and most important factor when i click a name how they've done coming into that tournament that pretty much is it if you ask Mike Miller, Smart Golf Bats, he says this too. He doesn't look at stats because stats are baked into their form. If they're performing well and they're having good results, well, that, why do we care how they got there? It could be the butter, it could be the driver, it could be the irons, whatever. They're playing well. They've got it going. And golf, if you've got it going, they might keep it going. So recent form, big factor for me in deciding eight. Grass type. Grass type's big. Course fit and course history. Those are things people think about. The grass, they're comfortable maybe with a specific type of grass because it grows in a certain area that they're familiar with or they grew up in. Or, you know, this grass is not something that they're usually typically good at or they, they have frustrations with or they can't putt as well on this type of grass. There are websites out there that show you those stats. Grass type. Price and value. Consider price, the value of a particular player based on stats, recent form, whatever, or their odds in Vegas. So if someone's odds in Vegas are 50 to one, but everyone that they're around on DraftKings is 100 to one in Vegas, well, that name might be someone to consider. It's like, okay, why does Vegas like this guy? I don't know. Vegas uh, doesn't know everything, but at the same time, they know stuff more than maybe me. So you can consider looking at Vegas odds to find value in per people's prices. Ownership, ownership, how much a player is going to be used, that can give you leverage. You want to use guys that you like, but no one else does. That's one of the first things I do. I say, I really like this guy. Oh, I like this guy. And then I find out other people aren't on them. And it makes me like them even more because I'm allowed or I'm given the leverage in the, of, from the other people in the tournaments that don't maybe like this guy. This is a great strategy for just in general in DraftKings. Roster construction or correlation. That's some ways that I determine how do I use a guy. If I think this week's going to be a bomber week or it's going to, you're going to need to have uh, length off the tee, you're going to need to smash the drive, which is pretty much every week. But for example, whatever, go after bombers. Sort by uh, driving distance on PGA Tours website. And then you go after the names that are at the top of that list. And you put all of those guys together in the same roster. Or if you're thinking, okay, well, it's going to be uh, Georgia is this tournament in Sea Island, Georgia. And there are going to be guys that are used to the South and near Bermuda grass and blah, blah, blah. Well, then pick all guys that like Bermuda and that are from the South and then put them all into one lineup. Or maybe you think, okay, this lineup has short hitters. This lineup has, you can't have like a two line, a lineup with two bombers, two short hitters, and then a guy that's good at putting and a guy that's bad at putting. I mean, things have to go right for the whole lineup 
that, you know, this again, that's how I play DFS. Those are the factors that I determine when I think are important for PGA. You create a player pool based on recent form course fit, figure out the risk, ownership of those names, and then you build as, you know, risky, but also as not risky with upside. How do I determine who and what names are in my pool? Well, the truth is you can pick randomly, like Eric, and because golf is so variant, the random names could end up being good, or you click them all right on the same lineup and just happen to go down. But that's not what you want to hear. You want to hear where I research and how I make sound decisions. PGATour.com has stats. They have streaks. They have things you can look at, consider, consult. PGA Tour has a media website that has little nuggets. They sometimes have shot tracker uh, summaries from last year's events, and they have like show notes that give you narratives and fun stuff, and it just helps you make decisions. So you could get some more information that way. Typically, though, I begin with our friends at Fantasy National Moose's website, fantasynational.com. It's a website there you can get stats, you can sort them, and you can manipulate them to research a lot easier. They have course form, they have all grass types, they have a generator too. You can have ownership on that site. This website has everything that you really need for fantasy golf all in one spot, fantasynational.com. I use that. I start there. I look at course history, Green Square Golf. Uh, our guy, Mike Miller's site. It used to be free, but now it's a paid site. But it has a tournament sheet each week that will give you their course history at that event and their recent form sortable right there. Pretty easy and convenient. Uh, you could look at um, stats. But beware of stats because they can be misleading. They are not like NBA or NFL stats where things happen on a court every night. There's 80 of them. And it's happened all really concentrated together. So you can kind of make sense of these stats. And they, you know, LeBron's going to show up and he's going to get eight, 20, 34 minutes. It's going to have the same stuff. It's going to shoot the free throw and it's going to be 87%. I mean, they're pretty. It is what it is with NBA and with NFL, but for golf, I mean, my God, I could talk to you for hours about how stats are kind of stupid. Everything's different. Uh, some guy's tee time is different. Some guy's motivation going in is different because he's out of it or he's in it or, you know, and you talk about that for hours. So just be a little bit more cautious when you're using statistics in golf. But if you are, you want to use stats because you're into that. You rely on those for the other sports you watch or play. Now, Strokes gain T to green is the strokes gain stat that I would trust the most. T to the green. <laughs> Seems pretty obvious. Uh, from my research, I have determined that putting, that can be the most unreliable stat. In fact, if someone is putting well, like they put it really, really well. Wow, good for them. But that might make me avoid them the next week. And conversely, if they're putting poorly, I might actually look at that as a positive because of what they're putting poorly. Maybe next week, the putter will be found. Relying on strokes gained approach, how a player is hitting their irons in particular, their approach to the green. From the middle of the fairway, they hit the ball. How well are they doing? Maybe they're doing well in approach. They're hitting their irons well, which can stay with someone. Someone can be good with their irons tournament after tournament. And then all of a sudden they figure it out on the putter or they get there around the green game, they get saved by something or their driver is dialed for one tournament. So then they pick up an extra stroke here and there with the driver, their approach is on their, you know, field average with the putter and boom, they are good. Now pricing is going to 
be determined based on some of this stuff. So yeah, you can be good at X, Y, and Z. You look at it, wow, he's good at X, Y, Z, and then he's high priced because of all the things. That's just part of it. But you can see guys that are up 10K that suck at some of these things and you can know to avoid them. Or he's in the 7K range and drafting just didn't care and didn't look at him and wow, he's doing really well on approach and missing some putts. Oh my gosh, he's 7,400, boom. That's your click, that's your value. That's how you determine value. Stats like these though can be found on the PGA Tour website or you can sign up for subscriptions that allow you access to playing with the stats. So determine if that's worth it. Um, recent form. That's what I would look at. I mean, you can open the DraftKings log. You can see how they did in the last few tournaments, and then boom, you make a decision off that. And, uh, that's as good as anything. Or just try to watch golf. And that's what we do. I try to watch as much golf as I can. I try to follow the leaderboard each and every day in and out, watch the flows of an event and see if that'll lead my brain to next week clicking a name or thinking about somebody or seeing he's at 6,900 and that doesn't make sense based on what I thought I saw and then digging a little deeper because you're watching golf. Um, grass type though, that's kind of important because there are players with different preferences for the type of grass that grow in the area of the country that they grew up in, like I said. Um, and I sometimes look at the cuts made streak list, see who's performing more consistently or just doing well on a regular basis. If they made the cut, They could make another cut. Uh, I love, and uh, maybe the industry doesn't love it as much, but I love narratives. Is this golfer from here, or did they grow up here? Do they have a membership at this course? Are they practicing out of this area? Did they go to college in this area? Are they motivated? Are they uh, uh, typically up on the high end of the money list? And then this year it's July and they're not making nearly as much as they've made over the course of the last few years. So they're going into a tournament, maybe extra focused. And that's a real thing because hello, hashtag home life. You want to have a good life and you want to live it the way that you want to live it. And maybe you show up after being, maybe you've won a tournament the next week, you're going to show up not caring as much as some guy that hasn't won in a long time and is looking for a win. So you got to look at motivations as a factor. Um, even if someone had a kid or, you know, they're traveling from across the country or whatever. There's different reasons to click or not click a guy based on nothing to do with golf. Um, let's see. So how I build rosters um, in most daily fantasy sports, winning a GPP or a contest or just having any success will boil right down to how you constructed a roster. I build all of my lineups by hand. I use this tally system. Um, like I said, I don't really click randomly as much uh, as I click with purpose. Clicking randomly does work. Sure, Eric's proven this. Uh, it you know will lead you to some lineup that has all the right pieces together. If for some reason it's going for it, you got it. Um, but then how will you know why? Eric clicks randomly and then, oh, he's got a lineup. But then if that lineup wins, why? Why did it win? And can you replicate that again if you don't know why other than it was a random? Okay, well, then that won't help me for the next time or trying to click the winning lineup again. So I pre prefer to do something that will produce a why so that I can maybe replicate that again, although it is gambling. So there might actually be a why. It might just be your why is that you got lucky. But at least if I'm doing this over and over every week, I want to pretend that I'm building lineups that can produce a why and then I can try to 
answer that again. Um, I created a video about my process of making 20 lineups and tallying and how I do that specifically. You can try to look that up on this page. I, it is all, you know, simple to try to do your best to diversify. You don't want to get heavy on one name, you know, like sometimes I go all in on a guy and that can be a little bit of a foolish decision. But again, this is based on your risk tolerance, that particular tournament, that particular player pool. If the value for one guy is extremely there and you can fit him into every line and he's $8,200 and he's the guy you think is going to win, well, then go all in on that guy and you just go for it. And then you only need, you just need to go for five other names because you already have one that you're confident over. It's different ways to play. Um, I try not to pair too many of the same names together. That's why. When I did 21 names for 21 lineups for over 50 tournaments in a row, you know, you do end up having three or four guys that kind of could anchor or ruin your week. And if you have like a tournament where it's the masters or open or something where, yeah, sure. The best players, they're, they're going to do the best. I mean, it, or it's a harder, the Memorial, for example, um, there's just different tournaments that have a harder course that separates guys that are bad versus a resort course. Like this last couple of weeks, we played on these resort courses where everybody's got the same chance. They just got to go out and make as many birdies as they can. It's a putting contest. So a guy in the 6K range like Brian Gay, like Bermuda, he gets hot. Oh, my God, all of a sudden he wins. I mean, those types of events, those types of tournaments and those resort course courses, go for spray. You can do a little more spraying. I don't think it, it makes as much sense to spray the master's field when you know there's certain names that are always going to be good. Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Try to find that video that I made. 20 lineups. I just did my example. It's fun. Ownership projections play a key role in winning a DFS. Most ownership projections are like stats that they're accurate and they, but they can mislead, but they are necessary to consider who's popular and why. And additionally, thinking about who is being ignored or not wanted or unpopular, that's just as vital as knowing who's the chalk. Taking into consideration the popular and unpopular plays while building can lead you to make a unique roster with winning upside. I mean, Half of the bet. You don't even need to watch golf. If you just knew some of the stuff and you were like, okay, this makes sense to building a roster, you have you have a chance. Like <laughs> this is like a roulette. I mean, like put the numbers out, or put your chips out on the numbers. I mean, the wheel will spin and a number will come up. And if I mean you had chips there, just as good a chance of winning as anybody else. Uh, we do actually discuss ownership, leverage, pivots, jock values. All the things like that every Tuesday night on the Fantasy Golf Pod. That is our show. That is what we do. Uh, you can use the most chalky name, the most popular play. That's sometimes fine, and it's the right move. And we've seen that a lot this year, actually. People are leveling themselves because he's 20% on. They don't want to use him, which is kind of stupid. So you can use guys that are 20 25%. But you also have to know that you're not getting any leverage on over other people in that contest that are doing the same thing. So basically putting i mean you got if you're going to use the 20 percent name or two 20 percent names then you got to find the one that nobody wants so it's just about building differently um 
like I mentioned earlier, I used to prefer building my 20 lineups with more of a condensed player pool using about 20 names and 20 lineups. But then it's opened me up to having one guy ruined. So I've tried to open it up to be more flexible each week. And maybe I'll use 21 because I like 21, or maybe I'll use 24. That week I'll use 30 or, you know, the Masters. And I went all in on three guys because I knew those were the three plays. And every week should be different. You shouldn't be opening it up being like, who are my 21 names this week? I did that. And I am an example that that's not the right strategy to do it. It was fun for content. It's easy to track. And 21, 21, 21 is a shtick that I did for a while. But then I'm trying to teach people or be better at DFS. And then I'm going to do that. That seems like bad. Uh, wait, though. Certain tournaments require different player pools. If it's a no-cut event, that changes things. That changes your strategy. Like I said, if it's a weak field resort course in Hawaii, changes things too. I've watched Eric. He's build with 30 or 40 or 50 names. It's insane. Uh, and actually, it's a terrible strategy because, you, yes, have a result, have a magic bullet. But then typically, though, 19 out of the 20 lineups have the guy or two of the guys, but then they're ruined by three of the not right guys or at least one of the wrong plays. So sometimes you're just like, oh, my gosh, if I well, how did you end up with Brian Gay on one line? You got lucky. You straight up got lucky. So he'll tell you that too. But that's part of the strategy too. You just go, I'm trying to get lucky. I'm not trying to get smart. I don't know things. That's what Eric does. He sprays and he just tries to get lucky. Um, the way that I won my GPP, I won a GPP quarter arcade back in January in Farmers Insurance Open in 2019. And, you know, I used more of a concentrated core so that I had a couple bullets heading towards the target, not the scatter shot approach. I do think there's a happy medium to that. And I've learned that over the last year. And I've tried to be less fearful of the industry telling me what to do and, and, and maybe just learning it for myself because I've been told a lot in this business and some of it's been true and some of it's been misleading and false. And some of it applies to guys that are playing for hundred dollars a lineup versus a guy that's playing for a dollar lineup. So some of this stuff doesn't necessarily apply to the low stakes guys, or it's just, you learn things and then they're wrong. So experimenting, and I've tried this, I've found that a happy medium and it's dependent each week um, based on what's going on, who's in the player pool, who do I like? And then I click and click and click and all of a sudden I end up at 32. Well, whatever. Um, other basic DFS strategies to use, you can do correlated builds, sorting by a specific stat, all guys that are good at approach. It's so wet or it's going to rain and it's a long course, driving distance. Do like a whole team of just guys that are good at driving distance. If it's Bermuda, all Bermuda guys on one team with, that are basically historically good Bermuda players. Uh, they will say, people will tell you, this is a bomber friendly or this is a plotter's course. Uh, sometimes the strategy is to do the complete opposite of that. Or they'll even say that this wave, the AM wave, everybody that's teeing off in this specific, specific wave is a better play. Almost every time I've seen this, it's the opposite uh, that happens. People are idiots. So maybe just fade the noise and fade the public and just go the opposite way. Oh, it's supposed to be plotters? Well, Tony Finau, I'm going to pick him. Cameron Champ, I'm going to pick him. I'm going to pick all the bombers in one lineup and say, ha-ha nice try and then it rains halfway through saturday's round rains all day saturday or sunday 
and all the bombers have an advantage and they kill it on the weekend. Give me a break. So sometimes that happens. Also, uh, alternative to, uh, you know, again, just have fun. Click whatever you want. Click names that start with the letter H. Click random people that are old, all the old guys, or just click all young guys and have a correlated lineup with that. And we're trying to have fun here. So sometimes that helps to just like, oh, well, I don't really know anything and nobody knows anything. Maybe I'll just go with the guys. I like these three guys with letter H. Maybe I'll find three other guys. And this is an H lineup, baby. Let's go. It's a dollar. Or don't play for more than a dollar because <laughs> you're afraid to do things and you get scared. So play for a dollar and have fun. Also, gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one of your gamblers. And don't bet for more than you can lose. This is an entertainment product. It's not investment portfolio product uh comment below i will uh gladly respond to any question that you have if you want to dm me i am on twitter at dino real cheap i'm a realtor i'm in my office here at 15th in france any dino minnesota if you uh want to know anything else about me you can follow me on instagram you can follow me on twitter and you can watch us every tuesday night thanks for following this doing this strategy stuff see you next time